reading that for us. It's a long passage, but we are going to focus in on uh, just a few verses. And really what's happening here is something amazing. Um, This is after Jesus has been crucified, after he has been put into a grave, buried, and he's resurrected from the dead, all right? But at the hour of Jesus' greatest need, in the hour of his greatest desperation, he is abandoned by his closest friends, right? By the people that he, he invested all kinds of time and energy and love and trust in, and not one of those disciples remained with him. They all fled. And so we have in this um, encounter recorded for us in Scripture, Jesus taking a step towards a group of his closest friends that had hurt him the deepest. How many of you know that those closest to you can do the most emotional damage to you? (coughs) That they can cut you the deepest. And Jesus here takes a step towards those that have caused him the deepest pain on earth. And so... I would encourage you to use your imagination here. This is not just like a Jesus talking to Peter and Peter talking back to Jesus and Jesus talking. It's not like this like super um, emotionless conversation. I imagine tears. I imagine deep grief. I imagine Jesus crying. I imagine Peter crying. I imagine tears rolling down their face. And the disciples are around and they're having this conversation. I just imagine this is gut-wrenching. So in verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, by the way, Peter is the one who cut the deepest, made the deepest betrayal, right? And so Jesus deals with him. He comes to him. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. And Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. And Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, You know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. And then he describes to him how he's going to die. We'll talk about it a bit. And after he said these things, the very last phrase is an invitation to Peter. Follow me. Follow me. Today we declare that God, in and through Jesus Christ, His reconciling love is reaching to us 
and through us, no matter what divides us. God, God's reconciling love, is reaching to you and through you, no matter what comes between you, no matter what divides you. God's reconciling love is at work, and it's reaching to you. And it's reaching through you to a world and to the people that you love and to the people that you know, no matter what divisions exist. A few years ago, I was um, a, a, a friend of mine came to me, and she was tired, she was discouraged, she was disappointed, she was depressed, and she was in the midst of her third separation with her husband. It was the third time they had been separated. And she told me, she said, Jesse, the first time we, we separated, things were really hard, and, and when we got back together, I was so excited. I was filled with hope. I believed that we could, we could work it out. I had, I had hope that I, I would confess you know, my sins and the ways I had failed him, and he would confess his sins and the way that he had failed me, and, and we would work it out. And then it didn't work. And so we separated again because we just couldn't live together. But we stayed connected, and then we got back together again, and I was full of hope, and I was full of energy to see this work. And again, it didn't work. And now, she, come, she said, I don't have the energy for this. I don't have any hope for reconciliation. I know in my mind that I should. And my husband wants to. He wants to try to work it out and get back together and try to work on this thing again. But I don't have the energy. I'm too tired. I don't think it's possible. We live in a, a relationally tired and exhausting world, I think. It's hard to coexist with other human beings. Would you agree? Yeah. And we've got to share space with other people that have other ideas and other preferences and other upbringings and other convictions and other perspectives, and we, we have to share space. Sometimes we have to share space, like a, a, a bedroom with another human being, or a bathroom, right? And they don't roll the toilet paper up the right way, <laughs> or they don't squeeze the toothpaste the right way, right? Or whatever, and, and we live, and then you add little human beings to it, and then you've got friendships, and you've got coworkers, and we're, it's relationally exhausting. It's tiring because there's so much room for misunderstanding, right? There's so much, there's so much complexity to us that we, we can't help but offend one another. We can't help but, um, even if we do it, even if it's an accident, right? We hurt one another. We inflict pain on one another. We get jealous of one another. We judge one another. We get too sensitive with one another. Whatever it is. And so I think at any given moment or any given day, there's likely at least one person that you are not in good standing with relationally. There's some kind of relational tension or fracture or, or fissure. Is that a right word? I don't know. That, that has come between you. Would you agree? And so in that kind of world... 
where we experience this and the longer you live, your hope of reconciliation starts to diminish, I think. We get tired. We begin to lose hope that is reconciliation even possible? Is it even desirable? Like, is it something that's even worth my time to try to reconcile, to re-engage, to be in friendship with someone again? Are you, are you, are you, are you feeling me here? Why is it hard? I, I literally want to ask you this question. I've done this for a while. I want to do this more. I'm going to put it to you, all right? Why, what are some of the barriers that make it difficult to pursue reconciliation, to like try to mend relationships that are broken or, or in tension? Expectations. Expectations. We are stubborn. We're stubborn. We're stubborn. Yes, Dave. They're still hurting you or certainly hurting us. The pain is ongoing, yeah? Communication. Communication breakdowns. And, and you fear, well, if I try to do this, they're going to misunderstand me. It's going to make worse. So I'm not going to do it. Run. Uh, reestablishing trust. Yes, the trust has been broken. We don't want to open ourselves up to that pain. Cheryl, did you have one? Oh, I thought you raised your hand. I'm sorry. Oh, for him. Okay, cool. I was surprised. I was getting excited. Forgiveness is difficult. Yeah, if you take that step into reconciliation, you're going to have to like commit to forgiveness. Confession. You have to admit when you're wrong, right? So pride, anger, hurt, distrust. <coughs> Into this mess, we could proclaim that God's reconciling love is reaching to you and through you, no matter what divides you. God's reconciling love is at work in you has come to you and is working through you. And this isn't just an idea, all right? This isn't just a nice idea, this utopian idea, like, oh, well, yeah, in Pollyanna and the Disney movies, this works, right? This is the way that God is healing the world, is reconciliation. Someone said, Brenda Salter McNeil said, that reconciliation is the language of God in a broken world. It is the healing balm. It is the way, it is the means by which God is healing the world. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, which is the, you kids, it's the memory verse, families. I would encourage all of us to memorize this this week. 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. But it goes on, that's his reconciling love coming to us, but it goes on to say that God's reconciling love works through us. We have been given, Paul says, the ministry of reconciliation. So the way that God heals the world, the way that God is making all things right and new is that he is first reconciling us with him. But then the way he's going to restore all things is his reconciling love is going to come to us and go through us to the brokenness and relational tensions and divisions that exist in our world. That's how God's chosen to do it. It's to work through a reconciled community to reconcile the world to himself. Right? All right. So reconciliation, just a quick, and we're going to get into the scripture. Reconciliation is not forgiveness. All right? 
Forgiveness is included in reconciliation. It's the first or second step of reconciliation. But I think sometimes we think that reconciliation is forgiveness, which means, oh, I forgave that person, so we're good. But God wants, is inviting us a step further than that. He's inviting us to a deeper commitment relationally than just saying, I'm not embittered towards you anymore, but stay away. He's saying to go beyond forgiveness to reunion. Go beyond forgiveness to reunion. God is inviting us to rejoin our two lives, our two hearts, and 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 reheal and restore and begin to open one another up to each other, to allow trust and vulnerability to exist again. So reconciliation is about how to relate even after forgiveness and justice has happened. So this is core to the gospel. This is the good news. This is how God is at work making all things new. And it's at work in us today. So let's look at Jesus, right? In the midst of this deep betrayal, Jesus comes to those who had abandoned him and betrayed him and left him for dead, left him to be beaten and tortured and crucified. And Jesus takes the step. So look at this. First, reconciling love reaches to us. God, Jesus is uh, the most clear picture of God that we have, and this is how God is postured towards us. This is how he comes to us. He takes the initiative. Look in verse 4. Jesus stood on the shore. Where are the disciples? They're in the sea. They're fishing. Thank you. That was awesome. They're in the sea. They're fishing. They're about 300 feet away, it says, 100 yards away. And, and Jesus goes to where they are. He doesn't wait for them to come to him, right? So the first thing about reconciliation and the reconciling love of God is that God takes the initiative and he comes to where we are. He comes to our place. He steps onto our shore and he initiates the relationship, the reconciliation begins. And then, look what he does in verse 5. He says, cast your net on the other side. Right? They, they went all night not finding any fish. And they're fishermen. And, and uh, he calls out, he's like, hey, did you catch any fish? And they're like, no. And he's like, try it on the other side. And I don't know why they did it, because it doesn't make sense, I'm sure. But they do it, and then... They get this tremendous, miraculous number of fish, 153 fish in one net, and they have to pull it in. And, and so God, uh, God uh, Jesus, gifts them. So he comes to them, and then he gifts them this generous gift. So what he's doing here is he's cultivating the ground for reconciliation. Right? He's preparing the hearts. He is going to them. He is gifting them. And now what's he doing? This is my favorite part. This is new creation style. He says, come have breakfast, right? It's open tables, man. Come and eat with me. What do we say here? As we pick up our plates, we put down our divisions. As we pick up our plates, we put down our divisions. We believe. That's not just something we say. We we believe this is how God works. He works around the table. We see that Jesus invites his friends, those who have betrayed him, to come around the table. And as we break bread, as we gather around the table, Jesus' reconciling love begins to work. It comes to us, and it starts to work through us. And so he invites them to eat. There's a guy... um, 
I've talked about him before. His name is Daryl Davis. He uh, is a blues musician, a very good one. And for the last 30 years, he has been inviting, he's, a, he's an African-American man, he's been inviting registered members of the Ku Klux Klan to have dinner with him. And he sits down with these people that have like made it known, like they've got cards in their wallets that say, I'm a Ku Klux Klan member. I do not like black people. He invites these to dinner. And over the last 30 years, he has seen 200 Klansmen surrender their robes and he collects them in his house and renounce their racism because of the interaction, because of the step toward them that Daryl took. Now, does Daryl Davis, is he obligated to take the first step toward the Klan member? No, right? I mean, come on. Who, who's done the offending here? Who's messed up? They should be coming to him. He's the offended party, but he took the step towards them, just like Jesus. Did Jesus do anything wrong? Like, this is like one of the rare occasions that there's not like a two-way street here. Jesus did not do anything wrong. They abandoned him. He goes to him, to the people that have inflicted pain, to him. Invites him to dinner. Gifts them. And then we have this reconciling encounter. Verse 15 and 19. Jesus goes one-on-one with Peter. Now, they're not alone, likely. They're surrounded. He even says, do you love me more than these? Likely the disciples. And we don't know, does that mean, do you love me more than each of these guys love me? Or do you love me more than you love each of these guys? Well, it doesn't matter. He's saying, do you love me? Do you love me? And how many times does he ask? Three times. There's a lot of uh, interpretive guesswork about why this is, but I say the simplest thing. How many times... Did Peter betray Jesus three times? Could this be that God offers full and complete healing and restoration and reconciliation? Like he's giving Peter a chance to like be healed of every act of betrayal, right? And so every question, do you love me? And is a chance to be healed of that when he denied him, of his denial of him. Each instant, he is fully healed. He's fully uh, forgiven. And so there's not one sin or act of rebellion in us that can be untouched by God's reconciling love, right? That he reaches to us. He reaches into you. Sometimes I think we have a hard time. So we say that God's reconciling love comes to us. Sometimes the problem is there in our world that we won't receive the reconciling love of God. We feel like we've messed up too deeply. We feel like he doesn't, he can't forgive us. We can't move beyond it. And so we allow that to define us. And we resist that love, that forgiveness that comes to us. But we see uh, Peter is open. And Jesus, allowed, his wrestling love just covers each and every offense that Peter experiences. And then in verse 18, we're not going to talk about too much. But look, Jesus basically says, okay. You're going to die. You're going to die. And you, you may have died when you denied me and you, you, you hid, right? Because they want to say, hey, are you with Jesus when he's being crucified? He's like, no, not me, because he feared for his life. He didn't want to be associated. But now Jesus is saying, yeah, you're going to follow me. 
You're restored. And you're going to have more opportunities to stand up and claim my name. And it's going to mean your death. This is a common phrase to refer to crucifixion. And the church tradition says that Peter was crucified. And the church tradition says that he refused to be crucified right side up because he wasn't worthy to die in the way that Jesus did. And so he was crucified upside down. He insisted on it. So reconciling love of God reaches to us. That's good news. That's happening. That is your offer, right? God's reconciling love is coming to you, always, for every offense, for every betrayal. But it's also working through us. It's also working through us because in response, Jesus, it's interesting, the response that Jesus gives to Peter, right? Every time he says, do you love me? And he says, yes, you know I love you. What does Jesus say? Feed my sheep. sheep. Serve my people. Be about my work. Right? Like, be on mission. My reconciling love has come to you. You love me. Show your love for me as you love other people. Your reconciling love comes to you and works through you. In Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are to reconcile those as we have been reconciled, right? We are agents of reconciliation, of making things right between people. And so he, when he invites us to follow me, again, that's another sign. It's an invitation to covenant relationship. You are on my team. You are on mission with me. Let's do this again. I invited you into discipleship before. It didn't go super well, but here it is. Here's another opportunity. Let's go. I open myself up to be betrayed by you again, Peter. I open myself up for you to mess up again, Peter. Let's go. Let's be on mission. Follow me. Let's go. Feed my sheep. Love people as I have loved you. Reconciling love working through us as it's come to us. We are... Let's give Ryan and Stephen, Ryan Elin and Stephen Brock a hand. They put our swamp coolers on, so we're a little cooler from last time. Yes, good. Now I say that. That was a clever on-ramp to an illustration. Swamp coolers. Anyone change the swamp cooler? You're from Louisiana, you're going to get to know it, all right? All right? But uh, this is the only thing that works in the desert, all right? Because in uh, humid climates, swamp coolers don't work. They just make it worse. Swamp coolers don't really work in the desert either, but we, we just pretend they do. But what, 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 it, what you have to do is how they work. I'm not an uh, expert. You all know this. I'm not uh, technically savvy, even on the most basic of machinery. But you have a swamp cooler, and what it does is it's got pads, right? We've got aspen pads or synthetic pads, and it soaks these pads, and it draws, and you turn on the, the fan, and it sucks in hot air from outside and pulls it through this refreshing, cool, soaked, cold pad, and it cools off the air, right? So it sucks in this beautiful air, and inside is all this really cool, refreshing air. And then the fan sucks it through and pushes it into our building through these vents or through our homes. Now, and then everyone gets to benefit from this cool air that the cooler is just up there, like, in it, right? He's cool. And, and then it pushes, goes through the cooler, personifying 
the cooler goes through the cooler and into the room, and everyone gets to experience the cool air. Now, when I was first learning to do this on my own house, when we, when we got a house, and I'm switching it over the first time, I'm like getting it up, changing the pads, make sure everything's working, water's on, fan's working, pads are soaking, you know, it's going, and I get in, and there's no air, you know, there's no air coming through. And I, I realized, oh, there's like a little damper thing, like a, a steel metal thing that blocks the air from going through. Because in the winter, you don't want cold air coming into your house from the outside, so you block it. And you don't want the hot air going out, so you block it. And so you've got to remove that barrier, that damper, in order for the air to flow through. So, follow me here. <laughs> We're swamp coolers, all right? The swamp cooler, we... God's reconciling love has come to us. We get to experience the refreshment of his forgiveness and the cool air swirling around us that we experience forgiveness and love and reconciliation with the Father. But there's barriers. Sometimes we resist or we have blocks that allows that reconciling love to go through us to other people, to our relationships. Sometimes we allow blockage of that reconciling, reconciling love. It's for the reasons we, did, we already listed, right? It might be pride, or it might be fear, or it might be fear of, of the pain and distrust of the person, or we don't know how communication is going to work, or, or whatever it may be, we block that flow of reconciling silent love that has come to us and is meant to go through us and cool the world and refresh our relationships. And so in order for this thing to work, God set it up this way. He's reconciling us to himself. And the way he's going to reconcile the world is through a reconciled people. And so there's a key component here. In order for this to happen, this is the good news, but we have to yield to the reconciling love and the reconciling flow of his love in our lives. We have to cooperate with it. We have to remove the barriers in us that prevent it from flowing into our relationships with people, with parents, with children, with coworkers, with whomever, with our neighbors. So what in your life is blocking that flow? Because we all have it. We all have those blocks. We all consent from resisting the reconciling impulse that God has given to us. I'm not naturally a confrontational person. I don't know if that surprises anyone. But um, at my core, I try to avoid conflict. I don't like it. I don't like making people feel uncomfortable. I don't like people to feel bad about themselves. I don't like to feel bad about myself. So it's just, I just don't like it. But quickly I realized, as the Holy Spirit began to teach me some of this stuff, is that that's no way to live. In fact, it's a horrible way to live because it just builds and builds and builds in you until either you explode or you isolate yourself and you're alone and you can't relate to people. And so I remember, uh, here's an example. Of when I was in college, I had a roommate my senior year. I moved off campus with some really cool guys. They were too cool for me. And I felt really cool to be with these cool guys in this cool apartment. It was like above, it was kind of a loft apartment in downtown Hillsdale, Michigan. 2,500 people. And so we were upstairs in this loft and it felt so cool. But these guys were like, they were nice guys, but they were pigs. <laughs> like, they, like they never did dishes, they never cleaned the bathroom. 
Um, and I, it fell on me because I don't like to sit on other people's grossness and like shower and hair clog drains and all this stuff. It's like, ugh. So it, was, it got so bad that like girls would come over like that like these guys, not me, but that like these guys, and they wanted these bathrooms, so they would clean it, which I thought was horrible and messed up, but they would, and it was good for everyone. So we did it. So anyways, but I never brought this up to my roommates, especially this one guy who was the main culprit. He would never do anything, and he was the dirtiest of us all. And, and I never did it, and resentment just built and built and built up in me, and like until I just didn't really even talk to him. I would just kind of pass, pass in the night. Until we graduated, and I emailed him. Email was a new thing. <laughs> And I was like, dude, let me tell you, like, I was in New Mexico, he was in Michigan, and I just, like, sent him an email bomb. And he responds, like, dude, I didn't know, I'm sorry, and I hate you. And, 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 and so, that was a broken relationship. It was an example, like, I let, I did not let the reconciling love of God flow through me. But as I've grown, I've realized that I have to, I have to, even if I don't like to have the conversation. Or even if I feel like this person has wronged me so deeply that I can never trust them again or whatever, I have to take the step. I have to remove the barrier that I, and allow the reconciling love of God to flow through me. I have to do the hard thing. I have to put down my pride. I have to put down my fear. I have to put down whatever it is that prevents me from taking that step. So now I, like to everyone's annoyance, like make sure everything's okay with everyone. And uh, I, 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 I make sure that I do, that we are on good terms and I try to make things right. It, it can lead to uncomfortable conversations. But I'll tell you, I am much freer, I am much more joyful, I am much more at peace because I don't have the weight of all these unreconciled relationships hanging over me that I'm dragging around in my life. So where do you find yourself resisting God's reconciling love? Have you received it that has come to you? Have you accepted his full forgiveness? Will you allow him to forgive anything and everything you've done? Will you trust that he actually loves you and wants to be with you and has forgiven you and wants to move forward on mission with you? Are there relationships in your life that are, are you haven't dealt with? Some of you, like, you just fight like cats and dogs and then just forget, act like it never happened, and you continue to live, but you never deal with it. That is not, that does not lead to true reconciliation. That leads to blow-ups and bitterness and anxiety. So, let me just give you a couple. We're almost done. You may be resisting reconciling love to you and through you if you avoid or hope not to see certain people, right? You like here there's a, there's a birthday party and then you're excited and then you find out, oh, that person's going to be there. Dang it. And you either don't go or you go and you're just like, all right, I'm going to stay over here by the dip. And uh, try not to make eye contact. Try to avoid it. Um, you may be resisting reconciling love if anger rises up in you or, or deep sadness rises up in you when you think of a particular person. Or you might be resisting reconciling love if, if you 
hold back from sharing the deeper parts of yourself with God or even with others. Because you, you're not, your trust has been rebuilt in relationships. If you have a general sense of guilt just hanging over your head, like you don't know why, it's not specific, but you just feel guilty all the time. Maybe you're resisting or haven't received the reconciling love of God or of others. If you never admit you're wrong, or you never, you would admit you were wrong if you were wrong, you know, then you might have a problem with reconciling love. You might be resisting it. There might be a barrier there. So these are some thoughts to get you thinking about what, if you might be resisting reconciling love, but what is blocking it? And what would it look like for reconciling, reconciling love to work through you? Let me say once again, all right, the good news is that God's reconciling love is reaching to you and through you no matter what divides you. And we cooperate with that. And when we do, new creation breaks forth. All things begin to be made new. The world is reconciled to God as we allow his reconciling love to flow to us and through us. This is how the world is healed. And so economic divisions can be healed and mended as we let the reconciling love of God flow through us. Ethnic divides and tensions and racial divides and tensions can begin to be healed and mended as we allow the reconciling love of God to flow to us and through us. Right? Parents and mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, parents and children can be reconciled and healed and restored. Neighbors, nations, cities, governments, we can experience the reconciling love of God as we allow it to change us and go through us. So we're going to end here. Um, we're going to sing some songs in response to this good news that God's reconciling love is at work. It's real, and it's changing the world, and we have the opportunity to participate in it. So would you put the good news proclamation, or the prayer response up there, and this is what we're going to pray after we sing um, the song, give you some time to think about it. Again, let me say, this is about what the Holy Spirit is bringing to mind. So something might have come to your mind, a person or an encounter. And you might think, I haven't thought about that person for years. I didn't know I had, but then you, you kind of pray through it. Maybe God's saying, you've got, you've got something. There's, there's something that needs to be made right. There's something that needs to be forgiven. There's something that needs to be confessed. So what's God bringing to mind? So we're going to uh, respond to the good news. We're going to say, oh God, we're going to pray, oh God, forgive us for the ways we failed to yield to your reconciling love. I will remove that barrier of what? Pride, fear, anger. What is it? I will remove that barrier of blank by the power of your gospel and allow your reconciling love to reach to me and through me in my relationship with who? Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your friend, your neighbor. Who is it? So let's come up and let's sing in response to this good news that God is at work. Lord, we thank you that you are at work. God, you're reconciling us. You're making things right. You're making us friends again. You're making the new, the, the, the kind of relationship and shalom and peace 
that existed in Eden, you are restoring that and making it even better. You're reconciling all people and all creation to yourself, and you're choosing to use us. I pray, God, Holy Spirit, make us conduits of your reconciling love. May it flow through us. May we take out the barriers. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together.